0: Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, sponsored by our partners at SolarWinds. SolarWinds is geek-built, developed by network and systems engineers who know what it takes to manage today's dynamic IT environments. To learn more, visit solarwinds.com. Here we go.
1: Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on-site... And On Topic. My name is Tom Hollingsworth. I am a staff writer for Gestalt IT. I'm also part of Tech Field Day. And I'm here with three of the brightest minds in networking. And we are going to be talking about a great topic today. I'd like to take just a moment for these gentlemen to introduce themselves. And then we'll get going with the episode. Jordan, why don't you kick it off?
2: Sure. I'm uh, Jordan Martin, at bcjordan on Twitter. I swear I know my Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Aaron? Um, Aaron
3: Conaway, um, at A. Conaway.
1: That's very easy to remember. No. And Daryl?
3: Daryl Clute,
4: at Daryl Clute on Twitter. Even easier. Wow, creative. Wow, I like this. This
1: is going to be really easy to remember for the show notes. Um, So the premise that we wanted to start off with today um, is that networking disaggregation, for those of you not familiar with the term, is uh, taking the software from a piece of hardware and running it on hardware that it wasn't originally designed for—very um, similar to the way that Windows runs on just about every kind of uh, computer out there that supports that hardware. We're, you know, networking isn't necessarily as um, tolerant of that in the past. Um, networking disaggregation. Is not ready for the enterprise, and I'd like to throw that idea, that premise, out to our three panelists here. I would like to get some.
3: Oh, question first, though, Don. Okay. What what, what does enterprise mean? So
1: that's actually a really good question because when we talk to companies that are are selling into the enterprise, a lot of the time that we talk about disaggregation, you know, we hear about like you know companies like Boeing or Mm -hmm. uh, Delta or like large healthcare organizations. They're running like hundreds of thousands of switches, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people that work in the enterprise, they don't work in networks that large they work in in much smaller networks so that's actually a good question for you aaron because you work in an enterprise <laughs> sure. what would you define that as
3: sure so uh, well i mean enterprise can be anything really so i think this topic would include anything from medium to large business well now we're talking about like two people shops now that's a little different <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i think there's some logistics problems involved with disaggregation in a two-person uh, shop but um but as it applies to, I guess, a count of employees or a count of technical people, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wouldn't give a number, but, a, you know, a medium to large business could be involved uh, or could be included in that. Turn.
1: So basically, anybody who has to put gear into like a rack somewhere, as opposed to like running a a D-Link or a uh, links a switch underneath their desk or something like that.
3: Or, or how about someone who has hired a guy to do that for them? Uh,
1: that's actually a good <laughs> point because like, <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of enterprises out there who are like the dude who sweeps the floors is also the IT person. Correct. Correct. So yeah. yeah.
2: So I I guess I have a question specifically around this, and, and you brought yeah. up size, and I think it's it's one of those things we always go to. Why is it okay to? To go disaggregation uh, or that that model of deployment for our servers and for our desktops, mm. but not our network because of the size. Why? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is it a statement that you, you point out that a two-person shop? It's probably not.
3: Oh well, 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 that is a great question. Then, so why not the two person Sure, you could find a shop that's two people where you could actually get away with that, but there are issues with that, uh, and the fact that when you disaggregate now, right now, if you buy. A router from a large company whose event I've heard about that we might be at. <laughs> um, you know, you buy the software and the hardware traditionally, and that's where your support is from. It's from one place, and you, that's where you have to man- what you have to manage. With disaggregation now, you potentially have two different companies that are saying uh, that you, one you call for hardware support, one you call for software support, and perhaps you don't have the time and the cycles as a small shop to deal with that Um, really one of the biggest things i found with disaggregation is the time that i have to deal with it if if i have a a place where i can call and get support for everything just like i do traditionally right that may save me time versus troubleshooting with multiple companies
1: okay so let me ask you this question So one of the things that we've seen as a driver for this is uh, companies like Facebook who have created uh, OCP, uh, Open Compute Project Reference Switches. So here's a basic switch. It runs all the stuff you need to do, and you can put any software you want on it. And we've seen a lot of that from Cumulus and from Microsoft with Sonic and a bunch of other networking stuff. But we don't really see people wanting to run Cumulus, Linux, or other third-party operating systems on hardware that we might recognize like maybe a Cisco switch or Juniper switch or a Dell switch. Now, I know that Dell and Juniper do have offerings that are like that, but you know, the largest networking vendors, you typically don't get to run other people's software on their stuff. You might get to run their software on other people's stuff. Do you see that differentiation and disaggregation as being a problem for people, making it difficult for enterprises to say, you know what, I don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to go buy my favorite vendor stuff, and it's all in one box and it all works perfectly fine. Yeah. Daryl had some mm. thoughts. I want to see um, yeah, what Daryl um,
4: has to say. I, I think that that kind of goes back to how we saw um, the breakaway from mainframes and the the legacy Unix environments, where things were bought wholesale from one company, everything in part part and parcel, um, and then the server market disaggregated. Um, the same we're seeing that what you just mentioned as the early phases of that same disaggregation in the server market now taking place in the networking environment. Jordan.
2: Right. So I think I think there's a few challenges we challenges that we have and, and the first is um, familiarity and comfort right now that that one person to call is one of those really nice things Mm -hmm. but it's something that like uh, server and desktop have just done away with like they've realized the value of of disaggregation outweighs the value of having the one throat to choke as people like to say so Mm -hmm. so the question is is that true in networking and i think it probably is i think it's just a matter of time so people get comfortable with that the the other side though is that i think networking is a bit more unique in the fact that that the tie between software and hardware is a bit more specific So when we talk about x86 in a general purpose processor, it's not the same as hardware-assisted forwarding in a router or a switch. And so traditionally, the integration of those two things has required more coordination than your general purpose processor. So now we're seeing general purpose processors get faster, so there's a lot more devices out there that are using something like X- x86 to do IP forwarding, and that's good enough in a lot of cases. And in the places where it's not, now we're seeing software have to integrate with specific hardware. So we, we mentioned Cumulus earlier, and we'll use them as the example, but you can really like you know fill in the blanks with whoever you want. Cumulus works with a bunch of different hardware providers, but they're very specific. They have to be particular chipsets
0: because that's what they've written software for. Just a reminder that today's episode is sponsored by SolarWinds. SolarWinds just released their first tech publication experience at orangematter.solarwinds.com. There you can find insights on how to monitor and troubleshoot your IT infrastructure on premises or in the cloud, from up and coming industry peers to some very well known industry leaders. Drop by to see what they're saying about the latest and greatest in the world of technology.
1: So that's actually a really good point, because one of the things that we don't really think about a whole lot when we talk about networking is you're right. It's easy to write software that runs on an x86 platform. I mean, you can look at Windows and macOS. They both run on the same chipset, but they're radically different software. But you're right. Networking hardware is very specific, and what we typically think about is ASICs. They're purpose-built things to do a a thing. But you also have to look at the other side of what's going on. When you talk to people like Newton Kewen at Barefoot, who's developing P4, which is essentially a software um, forwarding method, and you can write some really hyper-optimized forwarding stacks, could you do that on something like an FPGA, which is not as fast as an ASIC, but it's also programmable to the point where I now no longer have to worry about writing very specific code. Could I write P4 for an NFPGA and get good enough performance out of a white box switch that I could run some pretty disaggregated stuff on top of a wide range of of hardware?
2: So I think this is a misnomer, this idea that there's a, a completely static ASIC, Mm-hmm. x86 and FPGA that sits right in the middle, it's been some, it, it, there's a spectrum and it's been that way forever. If you talk to um, the people who developed the first hardware assisted uh, forwarding chips, they were using FPGAs to test out their design and there was some programmability. Not a lot, definitely not offered to the users, but there was some flexibility even in those chipsets. And so it's this spectrum of how much program, programmability do you have in a chip? And then how much access does a third party have to that? So before, it's some programmability and completely closed off. The far is we're going to write on x86 and not get any hardware forwarding. FPGAs are somewhere in the middle. They're notoriously difficult to program. Um, once you have it sorted out, it's somewhat easy to mo- modify. But, like, developing software is not something that's lighthearted. I think Barefoot's really interesting, bec- and, and people like Barefoot. I won't just exclu- point out them exclusively. But um, in, in giving that flexibility... Of an ASIC style forwarding, but I can change what the forwarding plane actually does. It, does. it does change the model a bit. It makes disaggregation more accessible with hardware assisted features.
1: So, going back to your earlier point about the size of an organization may actually matter as far as um, whether or not you want to use disaggregation, mm-hmm. does something like what Jordan's saying, where you make disaggregation much more accessible to people who are not hardcore ASIC programmers. Does that change that size discussion?
3: It, it could be. Um, like you said, you, we're not ASIC programmers, and when we don't program ASICs directly. But if there is there is an ability to do that now, and it is difficult, but it, as you make things easier, now you're widening your market for your definition of enterprise now.
4: okay, And I think part of it does come to a, a skill set. Um, when we look at the, the disaggregated market, there's a very large, especially on the server side, is a very large set of people that have some sort of familiarity and understanding to be able to diagnose and troubleshoot that independently and then know who to go talk to. Mm-hmm. On the networking side, since we've been so monolithic in our approach of buying everything part and parcel, we are not necessarily at the point where everybody has the appropriate skill set to be able to make enough of an initial trouble, troubleshooting to be able to say, oh, I need to go talk to Cumulus specifically or, oh, I need to go talk to my hardware vendor because I've got hardware failing.
2: Now I agree and I disagree. <laughs> <Right>? so, <laughs> I love so, that answer. <laughs> <laughs> so,
4: and it, it was a generalization, yeah, right, yeah. obviously.
2: So I, I'm, I'm going to put it in some different terms, and I think this speaks back to your small versus large and, and mm-hmm. kind of been struggling with, you know, like who is disaggregation for? Mm-hmm. There are shops where networking matters and there are shops where networking is a necessity. And so where shops where networking is a necessity, they want the push-button network. I'm going to push this thing. It's going to deploy a network. I'm going to get traffic from A to B, and that's really all I care about. And when we talk about ASICs and performance and disaggregation models, they don't care about that at all. Mm -hmm. And so those shops just don't care. Now, those tend to be smaller shops. Man, there's a lot of bigger shops that are in that same position where they do not see their network as any sort of competitive advantage or something that really matters or something that could drive their business. The other side of that equation, those people are going to be moving to disaggregation. If they're not looking at it now, they will be shortly. Because those shops, uh, they're willing to invest in engineering to make their network be what it needs to be. And there's just such a clear benefit. To, to separating your hardware and software life cycles. I can have a soft, software life cycle where I don't have to change the way I deploy my systems or my network for 10 years. I can use that for 10 years, but I can upgrade my hardware every two, put the same software on the top on top of it. There's such a huge benefit to doing that that I just can't see those shops not going that way. But for shops who want to do less networking and they just want to pay somebody to make it happen, we're going to see the other side of the model. I think we're going to see uh, the whole market divert. So I don't think it's about size. I think it's about how you see what your network is in your business and how critical
4: it is. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Let's
1: jump on that point for a moment because there was an article that came out a couple months ago after recording this podcast, so it would have been in early 2018, um, where a large telco vendor essentially told a large networking vendor, I'm not going to use your stuff anymore because I can't disaggregate your software from your hardware. Less than a week later, large networking vendor announces that they will offer disaggregated software for that vendor or for that telco and for that hardware. Could it be the reason why that software dis- or that networking disaggregation is not ready for the enterprise is because not enough enterprises are pushing back against vendors to say, you need to give me a disaggregation option? Because like you said, the single throat to choke mentality of, if something goes wrong, I don't want to fight about if it's software or hardware, I just want the problem resolved, is scaring people to the point where they're not comfortable pushing that boundary.
2: Uh, IBM never advocated. (laughs) HP never advocated. No one who built big monolithic systems ever advocated disaggregation. So you can go and talk to your vendor about it and maybe if they're progressive and forward thinking they will come along with you. But the reality is this is going to be driven from the end users and those who don't are just going to be left behind. That was a me too thing. As much as I'm glad to see it and it was a, it was a good step in the right direction to see a Significant vendors say they were going to disaggregate hardware and software. Um, it wasn't because they were really interested in disaggregating hardware and software. It was because they were interested in keeping customers. that's what's going to change the market. But the reality is is that that big company, and not even to pick on them, because there are other ones out there who are in the same problem, they have zero incentive beyond losing customers, potentially losing customers, to go to disaggregation route because the monolithic stack makes them a lot of money.
4: Yeah, I was just completely agreeing with you. Um, Disaggregation in the the server ecosystem was driven by customers' demands, um, primarily with uh, Linux and uh, then Microsoft coming along and wanting to disaggregate, right, with DOS and and Linux primarily to begin with. And then um, as customers got used to that model, then they started putting pressure on the larger vendors, the more monolithic vendors, and then they started to change some as well. They had to. They had to. Yeah. Um, obviously, there were some stalwarts that just never died off. How's Deck doing these days? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs>
4: They're around
1: somewhere. <laughs>
2: right. No, seriously. I mean, they were they were you know an absolute giant in the industry at one point, and now they aren't because they didn't move along with, with, with user demands. And so I think that's the stage we're in. I think that we're going to see some companies starting to go down this direction. Um, I don't think you need to be the size of Facebook or Google or any of the big web scalers to get benefit out of it. I think you need to have more than two switches. If you have more than two switches and you care about your network, disaggregation you should be considering. If you don't care about your network, we'll go buy something where you can push a button and just deploy it.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by SolarWinds. In other SolarWinds news, they'll be releasing their own podcast from their head geeks in the coming weeks. We've already spoken to Leon Adato in a previous episode, so drop on by orangematter.solarwinds.com to meet the other head geeks.
3: Well, one good thing that I found, we've done some disaggregation in my company. Um, One good thing we found is that we move to a software platform because we interface with that better than the big monolithic companies that we're talking about. No one's going going to want to run a disaggregated software from the big monolithic company who everyone knows we're talking about on another different switch, right? We don't don't care about that. We care about the features that are in the different software. Yeah, the the drive
4: for disaggregation is more about interfacing with an open system versus interfacing with a black box. Absolutely.
2: Uh, I don't know that I agree. Again, I'm going to go back to the idea that disaggregation, the benefit to disaggregation is separating the life cycles. So I can I can continually repeat my software lifecycle and do not have to change my operations every time I upgrade hardware. That's the real cost benefit. That's where the value is. And so to say that you know um, uh, we're not going to want to interface or you know it's not going like to me it's uh, I don't care who the I don't care who the hardware provider is. It's going to be it's going that's going to be a commodity, right? It's going to be who can do the forwarding that I need and. The, the way that it needs to be done what I'm really going to care is about the software and that may come from big software vendor like it could absolutely come from you know name one of your top three networking vendors out there there's no reason why they couldn't come out buy a company develop something give you an awesome way to interface with it programmatically and they just become the place because everyone's familiar with the way they operate there's nothing wrong with that it would completely work and I think a lot of people would be on board I don't think we'll see it because it would cannibalize their current market but the idea is I don't think anyone's against using any of the major vendors. I think everyone, when you talk about disaggregation, it's all about that cost-benefit of I'll pay a lot for my software because that really is how my operations get, get impacted, and I don't care about the hardware. Like The hardware just, just needs to be fast and forward packets.
3: Well, so big software vendor, we all have been using it for decades. We are all intimately familiar with how that software works, right? and it's difficult to move on to something else. But we're smart guys, we can move on to something else, but find someone who can support that something else is another uh, concern that we have. Um, I worked at a a not the biggest guy that we're talking about, but another big guy shop one time. (laughs) 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 And I looked for a year to find a qualified engineer, and I couldn't find one just because of the availability of the talent. So disaggregation might also give you put you in a different spot whereas now you're talking about say well we're about cumulus right cumulus is cumulus linux right so it is a linux box with network features on it now perhaps you can find someone who can actually help you support that software um maybe even better because you know we're network guys not systems guys all right well speak for yourself uh, you know, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think that's pretty much going to wrap it up for us here today. I think really what we're looking at here is that networking disaggregation is probably ready for the enterprise, but a better question is, is your enterprise ready to be disaggregated? You've got to you know take into account size. you got to take into account support. You've got to take into a lot of questions that you really should be answering before you just go decide to buy an Acton box and put some crazy software on it. Um, But, you know, that's really one of the things, one of the reasons why we have these discussions is because you need to be aware of all the problems that you're having and you need to be sure that you know what's going on. So I think that the answer is a good old-fashioned it depends, but it depends on how much work you're willing to do before you start doing the installation. So that will do it for us this week. Um, please make sure to tune in and hear more of our podcasts on our website at gestaltit.com podcast. You can also check out some of the other great content that we have there, including um, unboxing videos and reviews and blog posts from some of the greatest minds in the IT community. Um, for the esteemed panelists here at uh, the On-Premise IT Roundtable, and for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, I'd like to bid you a fond adieu and keep listening.
0: We'd like to thank today's sponsor, SolarWinds, and don't forget to check out their new tech publication, Orange Matter. They'll be releasing more information on their upcoming podcast very soon, so keep an eye on orangematter.solarwinds.com for more information. That just about does it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable Podcast, so from all of us here at Gestalt IT, remember, have a super sparkly day.